With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Richie. And before we start this episode of the show, it's DraftKings time, Sporting Nation. That's right, it's conference finals time in both basketball and hockey. And this is, of course, where we are getting set up for the finals in both sports. And DraftKings is going to be offering free pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot of up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's $10,000 in total prizes every day. And it's 100% free to play. That's right. It's free to enter. You just download the app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for the opportunity to win cash prizes. All you got to do is download the top-rated DraftKings app right now and use that promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page and get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in, Sporty Nation. Nice to be talking to you all live again. I'm so thankful for all of you that tuned in to our fourth anniversary show. It was a ton of fun and a lot of debauchery, and it's basically everything that we stand for. So um, thank you all for supporting it and watching. If you haven't heard or watched it quite yet um, on all any place that you normally listen to us, podcast wise we split it up over uh two episodes because it's a little bit long or you can watch it on youtube but to go over some of that stuff and uh plenty more because we actually have some coyotes news um with me as always my wonderful and amazing co-host richie suave flores how you doing richie hello Corey. you know um the hockey playoffs are in full swing we have a series that's both series tied up in the nhl but I gotta tell you, I haven't. I've barely watched a lick of either of the conference finals in the NHL because I've been all in on the NBA playoffs this year because they've been so ridiculously good. I had a couple of game sevens. Had the Suns take a one zero series lead against the Clippers. That was a terrific game. I have few times, and over the last several years, so I've been as nervous as I was watching the last five minutes of the fourth quarter of the Suns and Clippers game. On Sunday afternoon, I was actually working at Sprouts during the game, so I didn't get to watch much of it. But um, I got my last 15-minute break right at the end of the game, and like I, I was a, like a nervous wreck for those five minutes. I was, it was bad. Like I was like, because you know how I get. Like I, I, I like couldn't stop moving. I was very antsy. Like 
it was it was bad. It was really bad there. But I'm glad that Devin Booker first career triple double pulled it off. They got the 1-0 series lead. He put up 40 points, and the Suns are only seven wins away from their first ever NBA championship. That's like so. I'm all in on that right now. I'm all in on the Suns wagon, um, and I hope everybody in the Sporting Nation is too because they are a fun team to watch. They're a fun team to root for, and this is this state's best chance to win a championship in probably 20 years since the Arizona Diamondbacks. So um, that's that's what's that's the big thing on my mind right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I so what I do in those situations is, and and I think maybe some Coyotes fans may know this, um, might know this by now because I've shared it, but when I get really bad nervous energy, I full-blown, like, I have Fitness Plus, I pull up Fitness Plus and I start doing a workout. So, in, during that game, I did, um, an arm workout, a legs workout, and a hit workout just to get through the second half of the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I I channeled all of that nervous energy into a bunch of workouts and that's what I was doing through like most of it because otherwise I sit and I just get too like antsy it's funny I never thought that anything I genuinely anything could make me a basketball fan but this last run by the Suns has like really got me all in. I've been very, very into it, which is so different for me. That's not basketball was never one of my sports that I ever really gravitated towards. So it's, it's a big deal that I'm actually now becoming a basketball fan off of this. I like was having a whole debate literally like um, when I was celebrating father's day with my family on Saturday about um, the NBA's whole policy with the whole COVID thing and like, you know, because with CP3 and all that stuff, like I was talking about that. um, I I got really into Booker taking off today and just really getting into this game and basically saying like, screw it, I'm just going to have to be the one that takes over and wins this game. I mean, he's waited long enough to get into this position in his career, so I don't blame him. But it's funny how quickly, um, when it gets this exciting, how you can turn. And I just feel like this kind of all came to be the perfect timing for this team because of the fact that just the team that they have, the marketing that has been put out, there's so many people in the Valley that are buying into this team Um whether they were winning or not. So it it's really freaking cool that it's actually come to this point. I think this is a, a pretty peak moment for them. So I'd love to just see them go all the way. I tweeted this out on my account somewhat recently, and it's 100% true, I think, in my opinion, which is Phoenix gets a lot of shit oftentimes for being a fair weather city. And – and in, in, in ways, it kind of is in that if you're not winning, people tune you out because we have so many other sports going on here. You know, we have so many options, so many choices that like when the Suns were losing for that 10 years straight, basically, like they were easy to just not pay attention to. But when you win, this city embraces you and the energy in this city right now is incredible. And we don't get it that often here in the state. 
You know, the last time we really got it was, I'd say, when the Cardinals were making their run to the NFC ch- Championship game in 2015, right? I feel like that's the last time where we really felt a palpable sense of this an entire sports town getting behind a team and a story. And I've always said this too, Phoenix is a Suns town first. It's a basketball town first. Because the Suns were the first team, the first professional sports team here in the Valley, they've been around since 1968. That's, that's what this town is. And for this team to finally be embraced by this city after so much losing – it's just it's just a beautiful thing to watch. It's a beautiful thing to see to see that crowd be as loud as they are every game. It's um, it, it's so exciting. So embrace it all you can. I don't know how much longer this this run is going to re- last. Who knows? But embrace it while you still can. And it's an exciting run. And I think you're the perfect encapsulation of of what happens to this city. Like, even if you're not a fan of the sport, when you get teams that win here, um, it's easy to hop on the wagon. This Suns team is a really likable team. And I, I want, before we move on to Coyote stuff, like, that's my biggest question for you is like, what do you like most as a non-basketball fan, as as a kind of off, off the, not off the record, but not much of a Suns fan, maybe as much as I have been my entire life. Like, what is it about this team that you you like the most? Well, there's there's a few different things that I I really liked about it. Like I like I said, one of the things is actually like their marketing and the direction that they're going in. I feel like they have a really good job encapsulating um, a lot of the diversity that um, the state has, which is a lot of times um, what teams have a really hard time with. Um, you know, the the, the D backs has tried quite a bit recently to to help with that um you know the coyotes have tried to especially with um the new ownership and everything be a little bit more diverse in everything but i think they they've kind of encapsulated encapsulated that really well and also in the fact that they've encapsulated the the youth of this state because in in the end and i've said this before that in arizona we have we're a state that has so many different people that have come from so many different places and, and people may say all the time. And I always am the person that hates the whole, like, Oh, Californians are all coming here. Yes. Californians are coming here, but you know, there's a whole rush of people coming from Illinois. There's people that come from Minnesota. And we, I was actually just talking about this with, um, with a uh, Scotty's sister who is a real estate agent. She's like, I was getting people from Boston and all over the place and the thing is, all of these people want to come live here when it's, you know, um, still 100 degrees and 10 o'clock at night. I'm not 100% sure why people constantly are coming here, flooding here. But we have people that are majorly fans of of other teams because that's where they're from. The, the you know, the, the younger millennials, the ones that the me, the you all of us, we are the first generation that has really grown up with these sports, like outside of the Suns, you know, like the Suns were there uh, longer and everything, but like as genuine sports fans that are are born and raised here in Arizona that really just love these teams, I really have gotten to be raised with having the four major sports 
in this town. And I feel like a lot of times that's something that the the teams don't really kind of take advantage of in the fact that the, the youth right now is making such a movement for um, Arizona sports teams. And so the fact that they do that and the fact that this team is just exciting, they're exciting to watch. It's, it's, it, it's exciting to, I mean, every single time uh, that I'm, I never was a person like when someone would take a three, I really did not care. I find myself actually holding my breath now and, and really actually paying attention and really wanting to learn the sport this season, even before they got to this point, I started really learning the sport and actually really enjoying it for the little nuances that it has. And I never thought I would be doing that, but there's so much buy-in that the team has itself and the loyal fans have of it that it makes you want to buy in yourself. And it's honestly contagious. It's really cool to watch. And the energy that's just surrounding it is, is something that um, I haven't really seen before, and it's super cool. And that same energy we got during the Coyotes' run to the Western Conference Finals years ago, that kind of energy is something we hope to see from the Coyotes again at some point in the future. Um, I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon, but hopefully the whiteout returns to the Valley soon, sooner rather than later. So couple of Coyotes notes here to pass along. Um, first off, the Coyotes are reportedly going to come to an agreement on an entry-level contract with Liam Kirk, who was a draft pick from 2018, a seventh-round pick, had a massive, massive world championships in Latvia. He had the goal-scoring lead with seven. However, the deal is not going to become official until later later this summer due to some weird NHL rules that are at play because he's an international player. Um, but this is a sign that's that's good for the Coyotes. He had a big, like I said, had a big World Championships. Another exciting prospect for the Coyotes, wherein it, for most people it seems like there's not a lot out there. We we always talk about how. They got stripped of their first-round picks. There's not a first-round pick this year. We talk sometimes are concerned about the pipeline of, of young players that are coming along, but Liam Kirk coming into the fold, probably going to play with the Tucson Roadrunners next season is a nice little, another nice little notch in the Coyotes' belt here over the next couple of years, and I'm excited to watch his development. Yeah, I mean, it's anything that this team does to try and help build that pipeline is going to be it's, is going to be great. And the fact that we're going to be able to see where he goes from here and be able to see how he does with the Roadrunners and um, see if it really is going to make a difference or not. Like, no one really knows at this point. But the fact that um, they're trying to make those moves right now from the very, very bottom of trying to refill that is very classic Armstrong. And this is kind of what I expected for him to be doing because – this is his bread and butter. The the scouting um, from the bottom to work his way up and to get young talent and to, like, we've said it before, we don't particularly expect this team to be good this year or next because of the fact that the way that Armstrong, the way that he works is basically trying to build from the bottom up. And this kind of just shows that this, since this is like the, 
first move that they have made so far, it just kind of shows that that's the trajectory and the fact that they're, they're worrying about the future of this team as opposed to the president of this team. Yep, and, uh, you know, there's some other players in the pipeline, too, obviously, that we've talked about a lot on this show. Victor Soderstrom, Barrett Hayton, among others, um, coming along. That's uh, very exciting for the Coyotes. So, um, again, that deal will become official later this summer. The other Coyotes news of the week, of course, comes from the camp of Oliver Ekman Larson. Elliot Freeman reported, uh, I believe, on Saturday night on Sportsnet there up in Canada that the Coyotes are going to take a different tact this time with Oliver Malarson. Whereas last year, OEL came to the Coyotes and gave them two teams. He gave them the Bruins and the Canucks to work out or trade with. And that was it. And then they gave them, OEL gave them the deadline of uh, such and such a date. And then he obviously stuck around where Elliot Freeman is reporting now that the Coyotes are going to try and work out. A tr- they have the option of working out tra- a, tr- a trade with pretty much any team in the league and then coming back to Oliver Eichmann Larson to get his approval on that trade. Again, OEL has got that no-move clause, so it's going to be Oliver Eichmann Larson's choice on whether or not he wants to leave the desert. But I think that's a more viable option, and that's something we talked about last year too, which is like, Nothing's going to happen unless OEL expands his list, right? Um, and I wonder now if how much his mindset has changed on leaving Arizona. I think last year he clearly did not want to leave Arizona or else he would have opened up that list and made it easier for the Cowboys to trade him. Because I, he's been here for his entire career. He's obviously very comfortable here. He's very comfortable in the community. He's pretty well liked by fans for the most part, I'd say. And so last year he just wasn't ready to move on quite yet. I wonder if that's changed this year. And I wonder if the Coyotes will have more success if Albrecht Malarson is more open to the teams he'd be willing to go to. Yeah, well, that's I, I kind of like this approach better in the fact that before it seemed very closed off, and the fact that he, it was just very like Bruins, Canucks, like I won't go anywhere else. This is what it is. And then it just very much left it in a situation where it was like, okay, well, if neither of these two teams have a place for him or want him, then it's, you know, it's a non issue. Like he just stays here. I've said before multiple times that I really think it's best for his own career if he leaves here. I don't think staying here and staying in something comfortable is what he needs. I think he needs a little bit of a kick in the butt um, to try and get his uh, career going. I mean, he, nothing he did this last year uh, helped his value at all. Um, His his offense was at his career average. His time on ice fell to a new low since his rookie season and his per game shots, blocks, and hits were below his career average. And um, so he's definitely not playing up to his 8.25 mil. He has six years left. The Coyotes are probably most likely going to have to retain some of that in that trade. I doubt that they can give him up and um, not 
you know, have to keep some of that. Um, but this at least provides a situation to see who out there in the field actually wants him because it's going to, as the years progress, his chances of getting to a team that's really going to want him, it gets worse and worse because he is not making it any better for himself. So unless he wants to just slowly decline here in Arizona, it would be in his own best interest to say, yeah, I think I'm going to be okay with this trade. And it might be better too once um, he hears what where it is, he might be a little bit more open-minded to it rather than just saying, these are my two places and I won't go anywhere else. You know who I would like to see kind of enter the fray when it comes to an OEL trade that I think would be perfect, depending on where they want to be when it comes to their salary cap, is the Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken. But uh, the thing is, what there there hasn't been any more news on Talkit, has there? Is he going to be as the Kraken? I haven't. Paid well, it should, the only the latest is that he had a third interview with them and in Seattle. And didn't him and didn't OEL and Talkit not really get along? This is true. This is very true. You have talked me out of my theory. <laughs> I was going to say, I I feel like one of the problems. OEL and Talkit we're having here is the fact that OEL was the captain and uh, Rick Talkit, head coach, didn't really agree. Definitely had two completely different styles. Um, Rick Talkit is a little bit more vocal, a little bit more uh, let's get everyone pumped up, let's talk about it, let's get it out type of a thing. And OEL is very much uh, uh Quiet's not really a leader in the room. He would much rather try and be motivational as like, just like do as I do type of a thing. Um, he wasn't that way on the ice, which is why I felt like he wasn't, he, he's the type of person that you could have as an assistant, but I never really thought he, he's made to be a uh, captain like, by himself. So I, um, I, I, that would be my, my one big, eh, I don't know about it is basically Rick Tockett because Rick Tockett at this point, I'm sure is just wanting to have a team that fits his style. And he did not get that, uh, one bit when he was with the coyotes. You make more sense than I do. As you can tell, I'm clearly not thinking clearly tonight. <laughs> well, no, no. But the thing is, like, you take Rick Tockett out of it, it would be, a, like, a great situation for him to be thrown into. Because, like I like I had said before, he needs something to really shake up his career. He, there's a point where, and anyone gets into it with any type of job when you've been somewhere for so long, you get um, complacent. And if there's a great way for me to describe his game, it's extremely complacent. Like he has, uh, you know, he enjoys being here and enjoys being in Arizona and this is what he's comfortable with, but that's not necessarily what's best for him. If he was to go up to Seattle, it would be new team, all new environment, everything. It would be a giant shakeup for him. I really genuinely think, um, that that would be 
really interesting for him if Rick Tockett doesn't take that job. Yeah, and uh, we're about a month away from the expansion draft, too. And I, I was looking at um, the Athletic had a new expansion draft out, um, a mock draft, which, again, is kind of ridiculous when it comes to that kind of thing. So it's just pure speculation. And the names they had for the Coyotes are kind of names that we had talked about previously, which is Christian Fisher and... Aiden Hill were the two names that came up for possible losses for the Coyotes in the expansion draft. And I, 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 we've talked about this previously, whether it be on this show or another show, I don't, I'm not really sure they all blend together at this point, who knows. And we've talked about previously the prospect of Aiden Hill and as was the case for, Vegas, right? They managed to get Mark Andre Fleury in that, and through the expansion draft process from Pittsburgh at the time, and I think that's what's going to happen with Seattle too, where there's going to be a lot of options for them at goalie, and and I don't think Aiden Hill is going to be the one, so I think they'd go in a different direction there. Um, but I think Christian Fisher would be an interesting, interesting option. But again, we're a month away. Who knows? Free agency still to come to. Um, and, uh, and as we saw previously too, with the golden Knights expansion draft, like, you know, teams are going to be wheeling and dealing. There were a lot of trades that the expansion golden Knights made there with other teams. So teams, so the golden Knights didn't take certain players at at that draft. I'm curious. I'm think Seattle is going to do the same. Well, and that's the thing is when you were an expansion team and you have all this time, you know, how long has it been since they've announced the Kraken and gotten all of their staffing done and all of this stuff? They've had time, a lot of time on their hands to feel everything out, to watch all of these players, to see where they want to go with this team and what they want to do. And that's something that, you know, no other organization gets the chance to do because of the fact that you're dealing with an active team. You're dealing with what is going on right now with your team. So you don't really get the time to just kind of sit back, observe, and then essentially attack. Um, But this, the Kraken, when they get to be unleashed, they are going to like really take shit down because of the fact that they've had the time to do this. And that's the thing is if it's done correctly, as you saw with the Golden Knights, you can really just you know, take everything you want if you plan it out correctly and do it right. So um, it should be really interesting to see how they attack it and if they can have the same success considering the fact that they now have, like, a slight roadmap from Vegas. Uh, Quick side note about the expansion draft and and the actual NHL draft itself. Both of those are actually going to air on ESPN, just so we, just so you know. So it's going to be like the kickoff of the new coverage for the NHL that was announced not too long ago. So be on the lookout for that. So we have one more thing here before we say goodbye, and it was something that you sent us earlier in the week, Corey, that you were late to the party and seeing, but it was really funny. You sent us – when you were scrolling Twitter, you came across a certain picture – 
that you did not know the context to at the time that was tweeted out by Justice League director Zack Snyder. Can you please explain the picture you saw? Because it was it was great. Well, okay, so I was very late to this party. Um, and, uh, and so, you know how, like, Twitter suggests to you topics, right? It suggested to me, I don't know, it was, like, a whole list of things. It said it in, like, the screenshot, of course, I'm, like, don't have it up, but it said, like, directors, actors, and something or other else, and then it said, follow this topic, and then it had this photo underneath it, um... And I don't know why I'm, we, we've talked about dicks and vaginas on the show multiple times, but for some reason, me describing this photo, it's, it's making me uncomfortable. Um, but there, I did not know about the whole context behind this. Literally, I'm just scrolling down Twitter and all I see is uh, Batman going down on Batwoman. And I was like, who where did this come from? And then Scotty had to explain to me um, the whole story of DC saying this is not what superheroes do. But then it makes me ask, what do you, what, what do they mean by this is not what superheroes do? That's, that's basically what, what the insinuation is all the time. Like, Green Arrow was the fact that he was supposed to be, like, this billionaire playboy. So much that, like, he ends up, like, quote-unquote dying on a boat with his girlfriend's sister that he was sleeping with. And then you've got, like, Iron Man, who... That's not DC, obviously. But um, uh, you've got Iron Man, who... The same thing. He's He's, like they go you know what are you without the suit and he says billionaire playboy philanthropist so i i don't understand where they're coming from when they say this is not what superheroes do they've insinuated um superheroes being these playboys for god knows how long they even had uh um they don't actually show him having sex but in dark knight like to keep his cover, he comes into his own parties with like multiple girls on his arm. So it's insinuated all the time, whether it's actually shown or not. But the fact that he decided to come out on Twitter and just literally come at DC was actually some impressive shit. I just didn't know what was going on at the time. And you you ever come in late to a party and then everyone like stops stares at you because you don't know what the fuck's going on, but something crazy just happened. That's how I felt. (laughs) You know, what's great about this whole story too, is this is genius on the part of DC. Um, Because did you know that Harley Quinn had a TV show before this story came out? So you didn't. Don't lie. You had no fucking clue until you no, read no, this no, story no, 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 that no, Harley no, Quinn no, had her own no, show. No, don't fucking lie to me, Richard. You knew. The thing is, I was about to say, I did know. But my the reason why I knew was very, it was very specialized. You knew, Richard. You just forgot. So yeah. uh, the I reason why I knew Harley Quinn had a show and you knew 
is because at Comic-Con, they had a thing you could walk around to promote her show um, where we had to listen to the exact same intro over and over and over again. So I can tell you it's Kaylee Cuoco who does her voice. And then you got to open these little like jail cells and um, lift up a phone to your ear and you got to hear all of the villains that were going to be in the show. And that's what you got to walk around in a circle doing. And we stood in line forever thinking that this was going, there's going to be so much more involved in it. And really that's all you got to do. But um, that was to promote Harley Quinn's show. So I did know, but like I said, it's very specific reasoning. Not everyone went to Comic-Con and actually got to walk around it. Exactly. But my point still stands, which is for most of the general public, they had no idea this show exists until this story came out. And now people know about it and people are going to watch it. And because you know who started watching it because of this story? Me. I started watching it because of the story. It's actually a really ridiculous show. For First of all, it's R-rated, obviously. So you get to hear Harley Quinn and all these other villains dropping F-bombs galore, making lots of sexual innuendos, plenty of them. I, w- I will say that. Um, you There was also a joke in an episode I was watching where um, between Robin and Batman about – being very uncomfortable having the sex talk that was fucking great and so now because of the story i wonder if harley quinn's numbers for people watching are going to go up so genius marketing on the part of dc i think in the thing that we went to too it said something about not having children in that thing that we that we walked around because of the fact that it was a cartoon so like you know parents automatically think cartoon children but I think there was like a sign or something too that said like, not for children. Yes, exactly. Don't, if you have kids, do not watch the show with them. It's very much a, a show for for adults. And so um, if you're an adult, I actually recommend watching it. It's, uh, it's one of the more ridiculous versions of a DC show you will see. Um, because it's more, has that more adult, oriented edge to it and uh anyway with that of course that's how we end our show is by talking about batman having oral sex with catwoman perfect way to end our show oh yeah catwoman why did i say batwoman earlier i meant catwoman i just realized i said that earlier i don't know why i said that close enough they're in the same bat family yeah, they're they're close enough. I, that it was funny, and not until you said that, I didn't realize what I just said. But uh, this is this is what I get when I didn't realize until I looked at the rundown earlier that Richie was going to have me say this on air. So I wasn't mentally prepared for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that said, we will talk to you on the next episode of the show. Until then, good night and good hockey, everybody. <laughs>